And welcome to Hall Ball, a Seton Hall men's basketball podcast. For the fans, by the fans, I'm your host, Anthony. You can give us a follow on Twitter, at Hall Ball Pod. Please download, subscribe, and like the podcast. It's available on all major podcast forums, including Spotify and Anchor. As always, it's great to hear the legendary voice of Tim McClune, as you heard in the intro to this podcast, as I was back at the Prudential Center for... Seton Hall's first home game with fans in roughly a year. And boy, it was great to be back in the Prudential Center with 1,500 fans. But unfortunately, it was not the result that Seton Hall needed or wanted as the Pirates fell 69-58 to to the Connecticut Huskies. Now, in this game for UConn, Adama Sinogo had 16 points, 9 rebounds, really dominated down low and controlled the boards. Willie for Connecticut also chipped in 17 points, 10 rebounds. Perennial first-team All-Big East player James Booknight had 16 points for the Huskies. And New Jersey senior guard R.J. Cole chipped him with 14 points for Connecticut. So you saw some balanced scoring through the starting lineup for UConn. They had four players in double figures. Now if you go and look at Seton Hall's box score, you had two guys do all the scoring for the Pirates. Sandro Mamoukalashvili had 20 points and 10 rebounds. Jared Roden chipped in with 16 points. Now, obviously, this is a problem for Seton Hall when you have two guys doing your scoring. They had nobody else in double figures, and this has been a real issue for the Pirates as of late. They have not gotten scoring, and this is going to be a big, big focal point of this podcast because you're asking Sandro Mamakalashvili to do way too much. You're asking this guy to score all of your points, get all of your rebounds, bring the ball up the court for you as well, and it's really starting to hurt this team. Because Connecticut, what they did against Sandro smartly, when he would bring the ball up, they were telegraphing his spin move to the basket with the help defender coming over, creating a lot of turnovers. And now you're really starting to struggle because you're relying on two guys to do all your scoring. This was a game where Miles Kale needed to step up for Seton Hall. I've been saying it in numerous podcasts. The last few games, Miles Kale has really struggled. Seton Hall needs a third or a fourth option for scoring. And Kale is supposed to be that guy as a senior. As we've seen in the past, he has had some big games for Seton Hall against very good teams, and he has shown the ability to hit the three. But this was another no-show spot for Miles Kale. Now, this game was a tale of two halves. The first half was a really well-played game, especially defensively. Now, Seton Hall came out in his zone, which threw UConn off. I really liked that adjustment to Coach Willard to start the game. I thought the zone really did rattle Connecticut. Seton Hall came out on offense really focusing on getting Jared Roden looks. And Jared Roden delivered in the first half. He knocked down a ton of shots. He had, I believe, double figures in the first half. So that shows you what happened in the second half. It seemed like they didn't really go to Jared or didn't really try to make an attempt to get him looks. You have to feed the hot hand. He was coming out. He was knocking down that mid-range J. He knocked down that corner three. He came out with a purpose last night, and he looked like he was going to be able to produce for Seton Hall, but they were unable to keep getting him the ball Later on in the game. It worked in the first half. UConn adjusted to it. And Seton Hall was unable to get him looks. Now, at the end of the first half, Connecticut ended up leading by a point going into the break. Seton Hall was up by 10 points to start the first half. They came out hot. But the big turning point in the first half was Connecticut started feeding Adama Sinogo. And as soon as Ike Obiagu hit the bench and Tyree Samuel came in, they exploited that mismatch. As I've said numerous times, Tyrese Samuel 
cannot guard a center yet. He's not strong enough. He needs to develop his body in the offseason, but he keeps getting exposed. This is a third game in a row that a center has just literally backed in and gone to work on Tyrese, and he has no shot of stopping him. He's just not strong enough. He doesn't have the upper body strength yet. This was a game where you needed a heavier dose of like Obiagu. The first time that Seton Hall played at Connecticut, Obiagu did a good job in terms of keeping Adama Sonogo off the boards. He only had two rebounds. Yeah, he had 12 points, but he only had two rebounds. In this game, he posted a double-double. Tyree Samuel at this stage is not ready to guard big, strong centers. He fits more in your matchup against a team like a Villanova or Creighton who has a stretch four playing the five, but he does not bode well against traditional centers in the league. Now, Connecticut had a one-point lead at the break. I thought Seton Hall did a good job in the first half, like we said. And going into the half, I was optimistic. I thought this was going to be a tight game, as I said on the preview pod. I really thought it was going to be a one-possession game. Now, in the second half, UConn pushed out to an early six- to eight-point lead. Then, James Booknight, very early in the second half, picks up his third foul. Now, I thought this was going to be an opportunity for Seton Hall to creep into the game, but that's not what happened. While Booknight was on the bench, the UConn role players really went to work on the Pirates. Sonogo kept going to work, and this is where R.J. Cole came alive and started hitting big shots for Connecticut. He knocked down a couple threes. He was hitting his mid-range jumper, and you also had Whaley knocking down big threes with 17 points for Connecticut. Now, like I said before, the wheels really fell off. You had two guys doing all of your scoring. Sandro was pressing. You're asking him to do way too much. This is where the turnovers start. And this is, this is also another problem with this team. You don't have other guys who have shown the ability to consistently knock down shots. And this has killed Seton Hall's spacing. So now you're making a tighter window for Sandro to go and try to basically take the ball up the court and drive all the way to score. And it's a clogged lane. And no one is sitting on these outside shooters respecting their ability to hit shots. This is making life much more difficult on Sandro. And honestly, it's unfair to ask one guy to do all this. It really is. And Sandro is clearly a very good player. Clearly. He had 20 points, 10 rebounds. And him and Jared Roden were the only two guys keeping you alive in this game. They, they essentially had all your team scoring. But this is way too much to ask of one player to do, especially a power forward. You're essentially asking him to be your point guard. You're asking him to hit all your shots. You're asking him to get all your rebounds. And as I said earlier, this is where a senior like Miles Kale was needed to show up. And unfortunately, this is the fifth game in a row where he hasn't been able to really get it going offensively. And now, as the season keeps moving on and on, you're really seeing how not having Bryce Aiken essentially the entire year. I know he practiced once this week before they played. But you haven't had a healthy Bryce Aiken the whole year. Bryce Aiken was supposed to be your number two scorer. And I'm not saying that you didn't want to take the gamble on bringing Bryce Aiken in. I know Bryce Aiken has had injury issues, but Bryce Aiken is a big-time scorer. But you're really seeing the issues with this team. They don't have anybody else who is a real threat on the perimeter. They don't have really a point guard unless Aiken is on the floor, which obviously he hasn't been the last few games 
and he was relatively limited in this game, his first game coming back off of injury. And this is not a knock on Trevor Reynolds. Trevor Reynolds is a good player for Seton Hall, but he's not a point guard. And you saw that and you saw that last night. You saw Shavar at times trying to create. He's not really that elusive where he's gonna get around guys for layups like an Aiken can. But you saw Shavar getting stuck in the lane and then not really knowing what to do and trying to force passes into Ike Obiago, who doesn't have the best hands as it is. And Seton Hall started turning the ball over again. And this is the problem, as I said earlier, when you don't have shooters who can space the floor and you're asking guys to do too much. You're asking Shavar Reynolds right now to try to do too much. That's not his game. He can't really get in the lane, make a guy miss, do something where it's going to create shots for other guys. That's not his game. Shavar Reynolds is a good open catch-and-shoot guy. He has that nice little jump-stop jumper that he added. But that's really his game. He's a guy who can knock down shots for you, and he's a great defender. And that's why he's on the floor. Now, I want to specifically get into to Kyle Molson. To Kyle Molson, obviously, has struggled this year. And he put up big numbers at Quinnipiac. And I thought with Tak coming over, or it's Canisius. I'm forgetting which school that it is. Um, but I believe I believe it's Canisius. But um, anyway, he came over from the MAC. Now, Takal put up good numbers in the MAC. But if you look at Takal's game, his game is using his body. He is a strong body and driving, creating contact, and finishing around the rim. He was never a big-time shooter. But what you're seeing is Takal Olsen's having trouble doing that in the Big East. He's getting a lot of his shots blocked. And teams aren't respecting the fact that he can sit out on the perimeter and knock down a three because he hasn't really all year. Now, being critical of players is absolutely fine. But remember, these guys are not paid athletes. And when you're in your home arena with only 1,500 fans, where when it's quiet, the players can absolutely hear what you're saying, as a Seton Hall fan, you should not be screaming that this kid is the reason why this team is losing and asking him to quit the team. Because he really is not the reason why this team is losing anyway. He's a role player on this team. They're asking all these guys to do way too much. To Kyle Molson can be a Shavar Reynolds type guy. He can be a great defender for us. And he is a good defender. He can defend multiple positions. And he's good in transition on offense. And hopefully next year he develops a little bit of a jump shot. Because Coach Willard does like him. Because he comes in and he plays good defense. And there are some things that he does well. Now, ball handling is not one of them. And that's been an issue for this team as well. Seton Hall, as we stated earlier, this team really lacks depth at guard. And they lack a lot of things. You're asking Sandro to bring the ball up for you, like we stated earlier. You're asking this guy to do almost everything for your team. And that, in my opinion, was the big problem with this Connecticut game. Like we said, you had two guys do all your scoring. You're asking Sandro to do way too much, and Connecticut was smart, and Connecticut sat with an extra defender waiting, basically telegraphing his moves with another guy there. They were knocking the ball away from him. They were making life really difficult on him. I know he still scored 20 points, but UConn basically said, we know nobody else on your team is going to kill us. They didn't respect, obviously, any of the other guys outside shooting with the exception of Roden, and they focused on Sandro, which was smart. And they created turnovers, and Seton Hall, the rest of the players, were really unable to contribute. And Connecticut, like we said earlier in the second half, with their best player on the bench with three fouls, that's when they pulled away. 
They didn't even pull away with Book Knight on the floor. They pulled away without him. So that's an attribute to the depth that Connecticut has, especially in their starting lineup. And that's what Seton Hall is missing. You had four guys in the Connecticut starting lineup contribute in double-figure scoring. And Seton Hall was getting efforts like that earlier in the year, where if Miles Kell had a good game, you had games where Reynolds, Sandro, um, Kale, and Roden all had double-figure games. But you're not getting that now. The offense is really struggling. And that's the difference. You're asking Sandro to do everything, and you can't win like that. Look at last year's team with Miles Powell. If Miles Powell had an off night, or not a typical Miles Powell night where he was scoring in the mid-20s, Quincy McKnight would step up. Romero Gill would step up. Jared Roden would step up. Sandro would step up. But you had multiple options. You had different pieces who where you didn't have to rely on one player. You have a lot of guys on this team offensively struggling right now, and you're asking your star player to do too much. And he is still producing. He is still really producing for this team, but just him producing isn't enough. And teams now are making life even more difficult on him. You saw in the Butler game, they were triple teaming him. They were double teaming him against Connecticut, and they're telegraphing his moves because you're asking the guy to bring the ball all the way up the court and drive to the basket, and they know he's going to spin, he's going to do this, and they have help defenders waiting for him. Until somebody on this team can step up and hit shots, meaning Miles Hale, Seton Hall is going to continue to lose games. And they have one game left. And this is just a recap of the UConn game. They have one regular season game left. We'll preview it on the podcast tomorrow. But guys, this is why Seton Hall lost this game. You're asking one or two guys to do all your scoring and do way too much. And Jared Roden's had a good junior year for Seton Hall. But you can't have... look Look at the score of the game. Two of your guys had the majority of the points. No one else is contributing. The lack of guard play is a real big issue. And it's not fair. A lot of people were knocking Bryce Aiken, saying that he looked tentative and this and that on offense. This was Bryce Aiken's first game in a month. He's practiced once this week. We didn't know what we were going to get from him. I was hoping, you know, he could knock down a a few threes, you know, create, get by for a couple easy layups, do something. But he's just coming off of a knee injury, a nagging injury which isn't going away. This was his first game back. You couldn't really expect him to go out there and do what he did against Creighton in his first game back. It's just not a reasonable expectation. And I know he's a good player. He is. And I'm hoping that he can get a few more practices under his belt because we're going to need him. If Seton Hall is going to win against St. John's or do anything in the Big East tournament, they need Bryce Aiken because they need his scoring and they need his playmaking ability because there's so many guys right now who just can't get looks or can't create for themselves. That, like I said earlier, you're asking Sandro to do everything. So at least Sandro can bring the ball up the floor, turn back down somebody, and post them up like that. Or he can come up, pull up, and shoot. And he's confident. He will shoot. You're seeing a lack of confidence from other guys on this team. You see a lot of guys getting the ball in the perimeter, not wanting to shoot. And that could be because they haven't hit shots in a while. But still, you're asking one guy to do everything. And this is why Seton Hall lost this game. Now... Looking around the rest of the Big East, on Wednesday you had Villanova capture another Big East regular season championship with their victory over Creighton at home. Now, the big storyline for that game is Villanova's senior guard, Con Gillespie, 
tore his MCL. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. Seton Hall's opponent on Saturday, St. John's, without their second-best player, freshman guard, Posh Alexander, took down Ed Cooley and the Providence Friars. It's a big game in the standings. We'll get into it on the podcast tomorrow. But real fast, I want to go back to Villanova. It's a shame for Colin Gillespie. He's been a good player for them for the last few years. But now, if you're Seton Hall, and we'll get more into this on the podcast tomorrow, you have a path to potentially, if you can beat St. John's, and position yourself in the 4-5 Big East tournament game, you have a chance where you can beat Xavier and then face a Villanova team without Colin Gillespie. If Seton Hall can get it together for their game tomorrow against St. John's, and we'll talk about that on the podcast tomorrow, this was a breakdown of the Connecticut game. We will get into everything Seton Hall needs to do for St. John's on the podcast tomorrow. But there is still a shot. But things have to change from the way Seton Hall played this game. They played a good first half. I liked what he did defensively with the zone. I like coming out and getting Jared Roden looks off the curl with his mid-range jump shot. But they went away from that in the second half. And then you had guys pressing. Shavar Reynolds is pressing right now because you're asking him to do too much. Sandro, even though he's putting up good numbers, he's also pressing. You're asking him to do everything. And teams are going to continue to game plan to double and triple team him. They just are until somebody can show that they can make a shot. And I respect Miles Kale. Miles Kale came out and apologized for the loss to the fans in the post-game press conference Wednesday night. And he did not have to do that. He didn't. But I think Miles Kale knows that he's not giving this team what they need from him right now. And that's got to be frustrating for a senior. He's a leader on this team. It has to be frustrating. But Seton Hall needs more out of their supporting cast. That was a difference in this game. And I said that on the preview. You knew Booknight was going to score. You knew it. It was, can you control the other guys? Can you stop Sonogo? Can you stop Willie? Can you stop RJ Cole? And the answer was, Seton Hall couldn't. But Seton Hall could not match them. They did not have other guys contribute in ways like those starters did. So with that being said, that is our breakdown for the Seton Hall Connecticut game. If you like the podcast, give us a follow on Twitter, at Pod. Please subscribe, download, and like the podcast on Spotify, Anchor, and all other podcast platforms. We will be back tomorrow with a preview for St. John's as Seton Hall will take on St. John's this Saturday at 8 p.m. Look for that midday tomorrow. We'll get you ready for the big game. And hey, guys, listen, it's never over till it's over. We still have games left to play this season. Keep supporting this team. And of course, let's go Pirates.